Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 534 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show, we'll be finding out about a couple of shows at the Stafford Gatehouse. The first one is the Flanders and Swan tribute. That's easy to describe. That's great. There's going to be some fantastic comedy music from them. But also the genre fluid. And Dan Webber's going to have to explain that one himself when he joins us on the line. We'll have a chat with him about that one. We'll have a natter with Sam Raybone. Uh, he is the... Well, he's one of the stars. He's normally the dame of the panto at the Litchfield Garrick. This year, he's got a very, very different role. He's Buttons. So we'll be finding out from him what he's like to wear trousers on stage and talking about some other stuff too. It'll be a bit mad, I promise you that much. Uh, on top of that, uh, we'll have some brilliant new music. Uh, we'll uh, be talking about the fantastic show On Your Feet, uh, meeting two of the cast from that one. That's coming to the Wolverhampton Grand in March of next year. Uh, but first of all, something that's there a little bit sooner. Guitarist Milosh is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre on the 22nd of September. He's on the line now to tell me about the gig. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, sir. So tell me a bit about the show that you have in store for everybody on Sunday the 22nd. I am so looking forward to it because it's an amazing programme of works from Bach to the Beatles and beyond. Um, It's something that I've been very excited to do because... I always love this idea of how the guitar sits so comfortably between the worlds of classical and mainstream and how this program really can has something for everyone and how it takes us on this great journey through the repertoire and through the music that's shaped the course of history of this instrument. I have always enjoyed being a more versatile artist and, and always open myself to various influences and that really is, is very much showcased in this program. And it's all really, really great music. And I just hope that many people will come and that we will be able to share share the joy of music making and go through this wonderful um, history of what's out there together. And the guitar is such a versatile instrument and so many people use it in so many different ways. And as a classical Brit award winner, you know a thing or two about how to make a guitar sing. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, at least I try hard. I've played the guitar ever since I was eight years old and... It's become my best friend immediately, and it's opened the the doors to such a different world for me um, because, you know, music is the universal language of the world. It's it's something that connects with people, no matter what background they come from, who they are. It's it's just the biggest gift, and I, I take that very, very seriously. And with four albums under your belt already, and the brand new one is The Sound of Silence, this, again, is a part of your musical journey, isn't it? Very much so, and uh, The Sound of Silence is, is a reflection on the time when I was not able to play, which was a couple of years when I injured my right hand. Um, and it was an album that um, I really dreamed of making, because unites the music from from all over the world uh, unites uh, some of the most popular songs in the world with classical guitar pieces and it's all the repertoire that has helped me recover and the repertoire that has inspired me on that uh, in that very difficult process of finding myself and and my art again um i hurt my hand uh, after um touring very very intensively and recording four albums um um, in 2016, just by because I was working too much, but um, even more than that, it was affecting, really affecting my ability to play. And at one point, I didn't, I wasn't able to play at all. Mm-hmm. And in that time, I listened to a huge amount of music from 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 anyone, like you know, from from, from Radiohead to Portishead to it. To, it's just just been wonderful to experience something different, and I wanted to bring that to my world. And the result of that is this album, and I'm, I'm just so excited for it to, to, to come out. And can you listen to a track without unpicking how the guitar work has been done in your head as you go along? Are you able to relax with music, or is it constantly uh, an impression of what you're hearing? I suppose uh, a joy to hear and understand how it's been created. Absolutely, and it's always like listening... I always listen for an emotion, and I'm not one of those people that always tries to find something wrong with things. It's when I'm listening to other people's music, I just try to take it in for everything that it is. I, I try to appreciate the effort and the, and the artistic quality that this person has, and, and I always find it very, very inspirational. 
Uh, on the other hand, I'm very, very finding it very hard to listen to my own music. Um, and if I have a dinner party or something, I, I hate when people suddenly put on my CD because I, I just, I just, I'm unable to focus on anything apart from that. So with my own stuff, I'm so critical. But when I'm relaxing, I just love to listen to other people's music. And at the moment, I'm listening to a lot of Melody Gardo. I think she's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, or Gregory Porter, Diana Crow, so quite a bit of jazz. And with your continued uh, intake of different songs, I suppose it gives you a lot of different inspirations, and this all blends together, as you say, in the sort of concert that we're going to hear. And you're actually working with the 12 Ensemble as part of the programme when it comes to the Grand on the 22nd. The idea is that my friends from the 12 Ensemble will join me and that we will travel from solo pieces to pieces with them, um, and uh, it just kind of unfolds the program as if we are unrolling a carpet, starting with Bach and taking it all the way to Paul Simon and uh, Radiohead and Arlen, Beatles, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be great fun. And all this is going to be performed as instrumental? Absolutely, 100% live and instrumental. No singing on the night, but I suppose when people are hearing the songs in their heads, they've got the words running around in there as well, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. And, and you know, there is, there is something wonderful about creating music and telling a story without using the words. And there are songs like, uh, for example, on the album, there is this beautiful song, Skylar Grey, called Moving Mountains, and it just has such incredible words. And it's, it's always very special to, to try to translate those words into notes. Um, and uh, that's very very exciting part of the process of recording an album like the sound of silence um, because it's it's really um, artistically uh, very satisfying well it sounds like it's going to be an amazing night of music and uh, it must be uh, incredibly hard for you to to to, to play for that whole evening as well though i think everything is easy when you are enjoying so 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 much playing concert it's actually all i live for and it's my favorite favorite thing to do in my life play in front of people and and at the time when I wasn't playing it was just something I that was what brought me back is just just this this love for performing and for being in front of people and I I just can't wait to um, embark on this very extensive tour well with the release on Friday the 13th of September of the album the sound of silence and the forthcoming gig on Sunday the 22nd of September at the Grand grandtheatre.co.uk is where you can get your tickets online or you can call 01902 429212 for the box office number but people can find out more about your music online as well can't they yes it's everywhere it's on Spotify on YouTube on uh, Apple Music Um, it's uh, all there and there are five albums to enjoy so miloshguitar.com is where you can also pick up the information online too. M-I-L-O-S guitar.com. But I an mean, absolute treat ahead of us. It's going to be amazing. I mean, classical music's guitar hero is how you are billed. So it's, we know it's going to be worth coming along to see you perform at the Grand. Have a great time and we'll enjoy seeing you on stage. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Milos Karadaglish, thank you for joining us. All the best. A new report has looked into the behaviour of the nation's snacking habits and it seems there's a high risk of them being stolen from around the home. If you don't want to misplace your munchies, then make sure you have a way to avoid them disappearing. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Colin Furs, an inventor, and Peter Blexley, former Scotland Yard detective and star of the TV show Hunted. Hello to you both. 
Good afternoon. How are we doing? All good? All good here. And uh, obviously, when you're trying to track down your snacks, uh, you maybe need someone like Peter to, to work out where in the house they're going to be. Well, yes, of course, because in my career as a detective, I spent countless hours searching people's homes, looking for contraband. And so when walkers approach is about where our our customers could hide their delicious snacks. I said, <laughs> yes, I've got quite a few. And uh, and then I was put in touch with Colin, who uh, who just ran brilliantly with the ideas. <laughs> so, uh, basically, we want to avoid the rest of the family getting their hands on our crisps. Yes, of course. I mean, you know, there there are over the two thirds of the British population who who enjoy their snacks have a need to hide them because so many of their partners or their children or other pesky people are finding them and eating them themselves. And and, and I think there's a a duty on us all to protect and hide our snacks so the undeserving don't get their grubby mitts on them. Absolutely. Colin, what have you come up with? Oh, well, I've got three three brilliant little inventions. They're nice and simple because I always think simplicity is the best. So I've got the, uh, the cupboard under the stairs. I've not hid them in the cupboard. The actual door to the cupboard upstairs, you open it, and then within that door, there's like a sliding compartment. So you like <laughs> put this magnet up against it, yeah. slide it out, four bags of what's-its, boom, no one's going to find them. Mm-hmm. And then upstairs in the bedroom, because, you know, a bit, bit of eating before you go to bed, you've got a lamp next door to the uh, to the bed. It looks it looks lovely. It's like an upcycled lamp, and mm-hmm. there's four like four little panels around it, and they've got a little remote control, which you can hide <laughs> that as well. Push the button, little panels come out, Four bags of quavers. Tick. And then, but just general, when you just, you know, you're in the house, you might generally want a bit of a snack. You're watching telly. Everyone's trying to, you know, Dad, Dad, I want some Munster Munch. No, you can't have any. We haven't got any left. They disappear out of the room. Colin pushes his button. The TV slides across, flips out. Four bags of Munster Munch. It's like a special James Bond safe. It's perfect. It sounds, it sounds absolutely brilliant to me. I mean, particularly when it comes to something like the, uh, the 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 mix-up of the different snacks in one bag. Those are the ones that I think you have to protect the most because there is something everybody's going to want to go for in there. Well, I, I think there's an obligation on us all to to keep them safe. Um, <laughs> and, and I love the way that Colin used everyday items because that's what I said to him. People so often overlook the everyday ordinary items if they're looking for something. A door, you open and close it. How many times a day? Many, many, many times. But Colin, of course, took it to a completely new level <laughs> by taking out the interior of the door and, frankly, creating a Highland place, certainly, which Mr. Gary Lineker could not discover. Well, this uh, is it. I mean, first taking things to the next level. That's what I do, Peter. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it, it has to be done. I mean, I mean is, is Mr. Lineker the main problem here? Will he sniff out snacks in anybody's home? Well, he tried. He came out to Colin's home, and if you watch the videos on Colin's website, you'll see Mr. Lineker's efforts at trying to find the snacks. And quite frankly, he failed miserably, which, of course, was a, a source of great joy for me and Colin. <laughs> yeah, because apparently he's got a sixth sense for, the, for these things, but I've still eluded him. He can spot a potato a mile off, but there we go. Uh, but, but, I mean, <laughs> where's the least secure place? Where should we not be putting our snacks? Well, the blatantly obvious. I mean, mm-hmm. people have talked about putting their snacks in their, in their underwear drawer, for example. Well, of course, that's going to be one of the first places that people delve into. So often think about the everyday, then use the inventiveness. You'll struggle to have the inventiveness of Colin, I would suggest, but still <laughs> give it a go. I mean, this weekend I'm putting the barbecue away because the weather's certainly turned down here. I won't be having a barbecue this weekend. I've got a bowl, uh, a bag of charcoal left over, which I'll be putting away for the winter. So my kids think. But what I'll actually be doing is taking a scoop of, of charcoal out of that bag, hiding a bag of Monster Munch in there, <laughs> replacing the charcoal on top, wrapping it up. My kids will never go anywhere near that. And after a day's hard work, when I'm in front of the telly wanting a snack, I'll know exactly where to go. <laughs> I, in the garden. I yes. assume you could easily hide some snacks in with things like the vacuum cleaner as well, because no one's really going to be wanting going in there either, are they? Yeah, whether you've got a bag or a cylinder-type vacuum cleaner, that could be a good hiding place. My suggestion would be, though, that you put your bag of of Walker snacks in another little polythene bag before you put it in a potentially rather grubby and dusty place like the vacuum cleaner. So protect the snacks, make sure they're in pristine, tip-top condition, ensure that you get a good rotation for the best before date, or just eat them all in one go. 
Mm, All I don't think I can encourage unhealthy eating okay. and binge eating. We won't, we won't I think do that. something to be enjoyed responsibly <laughs> because they are, of course, utterly delicious. So that it is absolutely true. And uh, have we got favourites within the team here? I mean, is, are you going to be protecting your Monster Munch more than your French fries? Or I'm a what's it guy. Of yep. all the of, of of the three of them, yeah, because the, obviously I got sent packets of crisps to hide, and the watsits <laughs> disappeared before the bunch to bunch of the quavers. I'll admit, but and you I, know, I, I, they're I, all good. I, I was really happy because uh, pickled onion monster munch were my favourite, so there was a bag or three left a, a, around for me to uh, get my mitts on. Well, fine quality snacks and uh, a brilliantly fun way of protecting them uh, around the home from those sneaky members of your family who are going to try and nick your crisps, watsits and whatever else. Uh, where can we go to find out more and see these fantastic videos? Uh, to see the videos, go on to YouTube, go to my uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Colin Furs, all one word. Uh, and in each of the three videos descriptions, there's a link to my website where you can uh, you can actually make your own snack hiding device. There's a PDF download and all the links for the components and parts. And then, of course, if you want to find more information about the uh, the survey, that's all on there too. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a lovely set of videos. Okay. And Peter, any final tips for us from you that uh, maybe Colin hasn't got around to building yet? Uh, think of the everyday. Think of the places or the utensils around the house that your potential snack snifflers will not take, will not use, um, and, and, and utilise those places. Be inventive. Think outside of the box and keep those snacks safe. Oh, Peter Blexley, former Scotland Yard detective and, of course, star of the TV show Hunted, and Colin Furs, top-quality inventor and, and snack snaffler by the sound of it. Thank you both for joining us. <laughs> That's all right, mate. Cheers, boy. Cheers. Time to take some more music now. Let's take a listen to the latest from Matt Finucane.
On your feet, the celebration of the music of Gloria and Emilio Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 17th through to the 21st of March. It is an absolute treat to see on stage two of the people bringing this to full action. We have Rob and Ilya. Hello to you both. Hello, how, how are, are you? you? Hi, oh, hi, oh hi. good here. So let's start off by finding out a bit about each of you to begin with. Rob, I'll let you go first. Yep, so uh, my name is Robert Oliver. I originally am from Nantwich in Cheshire, mm-hmm. but I've moved to London uh, about eight nine years ago now to 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 do to work mm-hmm. and uh here we are today doing it on your feet so, so. so you, you don't have to do as much dancing as everybody else do you? No, no i'm quite lucky we'll I'm, come to that in a minute uh, so. after we find out what Ellie is up to hello sir hey hi um my name is Ali Toro. i am sicilian born in sicily mm-hmm. and um, moved to uk about 20 years ago mm-hmm. and uh been working and living since because yeah, your accent doesn't necessarily sound that Sicilian. So where did you uh, come to in the UK? Where did you pick up? Uh, well, I've been living in London mm-hmm. um, and um, I trained here. Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, but yeah. yeah so I was <laughs> expecting a, a stronger accent, particularly yeah. because everybody pretty much in the show is using quite a, a, a strong regional but accent. I will, I, will, I will use it my yeah. I will definitely use it in a, a Cuban accent in show. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's basically really confusing for me not knowing what to, what to expect yeah. with the cast. So, so I, yeah, yeah. So um, we we do put up, put up um, a um, you know foreign accent like Cuban accent. All yeah. of us. Well, not all of us, but he, he doesn't. I does it. You could be American. But <laughs> yeah. me playing Gloria's dad, I have to have like um, a Cuban accent together mm-hmm. with Gloria Fajardo and Madre Alberto, who's. Um, Portuguese, and she puts an amazing Cuban accent. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because the the family started out in Cuba, and they were lucky that they managed to bring all the family over to the states, weren't to they? Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, um, well, they they you know Cubans, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, after the um, Cuban Revolution, when um, you know the Batista regime was um, you know in in trouble because Fidel Castro was coming in, they had to leave and find a safer place where to live, and that and so that they had to move to have a safer life in Miami. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously her father had a massive influence on her throughout her career. And one of the things that we do touch on early in the uh, the production is his spent time he spent in Vietnam yeah. and the tapes that were sent across there. And that's a really touching moment, sharing her music across the miles. And that must have been great to, to recreate that and uh, get that little yeah, sentiment on stage to start yeah. off with. We, clo- we worked very close to um, Gloria and she's been very specific what we needed to do on stage and she talked to all of us and especially to me about her father, her family. Um, it's, we have some dram- drama, dramatic moment. In fact, the father, when he um, volunteered for the Vietnam, Vietnam War, then um, he um, got that called Agent Orange, which were, it was what, what the American used to, like, it was a pesticide, I mm-hmm. think is the right word. The American used like a bombarding to destroy forests, and those like you know mili- military people that were, were you know were volunteered for the um, for the um, Vietnam War um, inhaling that they got like some brain damage mm-hmm. damages. So and Jose Fagardo got MS and he died at uh, age of forty seven. So there is a bit of drama and. Um, Gloria was very attached to the father, mm-hmm. um, and there is a lot of like you know emotional. Uh, moments that we reflect all of that. 
but what I particularly enjoyed about it was that it gives you the emotion, but it doesn't play on the the way in which certain members of the family did pass on. You you discover through the story that her father's no longer with her, but they don't over egg that. They tell it as a story because it's obviously a massive part of their lives when that change happened. But it didn't really you know, step away from the narrative of telling the tale of the music as well. And I thought it was really good that the way they they did that, and it sort of kept everybody alive on stage uh, even if they were no longer physically part of that yeah, story. Exactly. Um, Alex Delanaris De was the one who wrote the libretto, the book, and he wrote it in such a great way that obviously it's a celebration of Gloria's and Emilio Stefan life and songs as well. So it's a jukebox musical. And the way that Alex wrote the, the whole piece is very clever because you get like the, the story, but it's not massively like... Um, um, you know, uh, 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 how do you say, like, it's not uh, the, the main focus, but you can, you, you are led through the story, mm. you know, to the, to the, you know, to the, to the story and then the, when, till they get like to the, the stardoms really. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's through the tale of the music as much as their lives that actually yeah. brings all this together with some fantastic dancing along the way. And yeah. uh, I mean, the, 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 it looks absolutely awesome on stage, doesn't it? The way it really fills out with all the colour of vibrancy and the, of course, the Latin beats. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's an, it kind of universal music. I mean, we, I mean, I'm a big fan of Gloria Stefan and I think that um, the music, it's so like, it talks a lot about like, you know, um, traditions and, 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 and it's so like worldwide mm -hmm. known that everyone would relate to it. And then, you know, it's so uplifting mm -hmm. and it's so, so great within, within in a musical because mm -hmm. it's so like such a happy music that mm -hmm. people we, we will like respond so standing on their feet. Yeah, really. and, and you see that as we go through, even <clears throat> though someone tries to put a spanner in the works, don't they, Rob? Well, uh, yes, my, my, my <laughs> character that, that is introduced uh, in the first half is Phil. Now, Phil is the manager of Gloria and Emilio before they make it big. So the, he is taking uh, charge of them for when they are dominating the Latin markets. They're making all this money over in South America. And not to spoil, uh, put any spoilers out there, but Phil doesn't believe that they will be able to transfer over to the US market. And that is shown in one of the scenes that is, is in the show, um, which later becomes a, a splat in the face with a big fat egg on <laughs> Phil because it shows that they can cross over the pond, uh, well, cross over into the border and uh, make it in the US as well. Yeah, absolutely 100% mainstream. And this, again, is part of the magic of the show because uh, I'm not sure whether you two guys are old enough to remember all this music when it was first coming out. I certainly am. Oh, um, I do, I do too. Yeah. So, Although I look very young. Yeah, yes. absolutely, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it is you know, interesting to see that. Even down to throwing cassettes around on stage. I mean, that, that's, that, right. that, that's quite yeah. a nice little touching moment that yeah. means something to about two-thirds of the audience, but it not is. the kids. So that, no, it, it is. It's, it's yeah. quite interesting. And the whole family are coming to the, see the show, aren't they? Because they're, they're just loving the way they can get up and dance to the music. It's it, Absolutely. I mean, half the crowd, like you say, are coming as fans of Gloria and Emilio and they're coming to see the light and I spoke to a lady last night after the show in fact who watched the show and and completely forgot that Gloria had her injury mm -hmm. she, she had a situation uh which could have changed her whole life and it and it did change her whole life um but people forget this it, some of them didn't even know yeah um, so yeah. they they just know Gloria's songs and music That's and right. when they get like that she had a such a tr you know um travels and it's right. a complicated lives mm -hmm. they get very like emotionally attached and mm -hmm. you know that they you know relate to, to that as well that's right but uh, whereas sorry the other the other side of the the children and the families coming to watch i mean the dancers in this show i mean they earn every penny that they deserve so in this show yeah. and and for anybody who's thriving to become a dancer to become a performer at such a young age this is probably the perfect show to come and watch because you can just all of all ages get involved mm -hmm. and it's a real inspiration to watch what them guys do on stage. Absolutely. And with the band on stage as well, looking great, sounding fantastic. And of course, the way in which some of the songs work. Are, are, are all the songs actually tracks they released at the time or have other things been written for the show in, in itself? There is... Go, go I to go for yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, All the songs are original. Sorry, are glorious fan songs. The only one that has not been that's been written, at, you know, for the show, is um, "If I Never Get to Tell You," which is the uh, song that Gloria wrote with her daughter Emily. Um, and because Emily wasn't 
born at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she couldn't be part of the show because we only have Naib in the yeah. show, which yeah. is the, the, the first um, child. Mm-hmm. Um, then they wrote that together and uh, she put that song in the show, which is in the second act. It was a great moment, very emotional moment. And sung by um, Madalena Alberto, who plays Gloria Fajardo, my wife, and Emilio Estefan. It's such a great moment. I don't want to get, I don't want to spoil, you know, I don't want <laughs> to give you any spoilers, but um, that's the only song that will be as an original mm-hmm. written for the show. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is all the music you'll know and all love. It's yeah. all fantastic. Get yourself along. Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 17th through to the 21st of March. 01902 429212 is the box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets and come and literally get on your feet with a fantastic cast. So talented and such amazing music as well. It is an absolute treat. Thank you both. Hey, Thank you so pleasure. much. Thank you. Let's have a tune. Here is Flares. It's a single from Harrison Rimmer. I don't need no diamonds or any crown Cause I just need your love To keep me warm And the chance I'd find you Was one in millions So hold me in your arms And don't let go Every piece of me and every piece of you makes my flesh And every piece of me and every piece of you is my flesh So hold me in your arms and build us up What a chance encounter to bring us here. And did you ever think we'd get this far? Standing on a mountain, waiting for our world to start.
Elizabeth Harrison Rimmer and Flares here on the Milk Bar. Sunday the 24th of November at half past seven at the Gatehouse in Stafford, Flanders and Swan will be on stage. Well, at least the nearest recreation we can get just at the moment. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Tim Fitzheim. How are you doing? Hello, yes, I'm very well, thank you very much. Good stuff. Well, well, tell us a bit about the show and how it came to be. Um, well, I have been a big fan of Flanders and Swan for a very long time. Uh, the GNU song by Flanders and Swan is my <laughs> earliest is my earliest childhood memory, uh, apart from swallowing paint. And so, um, when I started when I started doing stand up comedy and I started doing shows and I got nominated for a few awards and, and all swallowing less paint. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, it's uh, it could have been could have gone a very different way, my career. Yeah. Um, but uh, I. I was very concerned because it, this was sort of, you know, the early 2000s and there wasn't really any way of listening to Flans and Swan at that point because mm-hmm. there was no CD with Flans and Swan on it unless you still had a record player and you still had your at the drop of a, uh, a hat or at the drop of another hat. You couldn't listen to Flans and Swan and I thought that was really, really sad. And so I thought, well, I don't want Flans and Swan to die out because I love Flans and Swan and they're really funny and, and they are genuinely the the best musical comedians that we've had in this country for the last 50, 60, 70 years. So I phoned up the estate of Flans and Swan and I said, look, I want to do Flans and Swan. And at the time I was doing quite a lot of work on Radio 2. Mm. And they said, oh, funny, we were talking about you because we heard you on Radio 2 and thought, oh, he sounds a bit like Michael. He sounds a bit like Michael. And so I said, well, I'd like to do Michael. I'd like to, I, I don't want to be Michael, but I want to do Michael's material. And they said, that's great. We want you to do Michael's material. So going so well we so had, far, which is good. Yeah, a really, really short uh, show business. The shortest ever negotiation in show business took place. <laughs> and um, and I started doing Flans and Swan with my friend Duncan. Um, and so we started touring all over the country, Duncan Walsh Atkins and I. And we started touring uh, with the show. And we, we, we initially just did five or six summer music festivals because I didn't know at the time whether it was just me that loved Flans and Swan or whether lots of other people loved Flans and Swan and wanted to come and see it. Now, every single music festival we did that year sold out. And some of them were quite big <laughs> you know, venues. And the response from the audience was just the same as I hoped it would be. It was a total and utter love of Flans and Swan that you could just feel coming off the audience. And at the end, people coming over and talking to you outside the theatre and saying, I love Flans and Swan, I saw them the first time round. Or I, I, I didn't get to see Flans and Swan, but my mum and dad bought me the record. Or I didn't know Flans and Swan, but my granny used to sing it to me. Or whatever it happens to be, people always wanted to see Flans and Swan. So then we did these really big tours of sort of 90 dates, 100 dates. These, these were you know huge, big UK tours. And we then started touring all over Europe. And we then started touring all over the world. And we then managed to win a few awards for Flans and Swan, or our, our, our retelling of Flans and Swan, if you like. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it has been a, an amazing journey. Of, uh, and of course, on the back of the success of the show, uh, EMI then re-released At the Drop of a Hat and At the Drop of Another Hat on CD, which was my aim when I started doing it. Now, I accept <laughs> that it's a very long way around. To and get a lot a of work involved. CD. Yeah, an awful lot of work for me to get that CD. But when they sent me a copy, it was very exciting. Um, but it was lovely to see, finally, that, that all of the, the work of Flans and Swan was available on a CD for, for, for people to enjoy. And so now... The shows are still just such a brilliant, lovely uh, afternoon and uh, evening for people to come and see. And we get people of all ages from, you know, six to 100. And I think uh, I think we had somebody over 100 who's come and seen the shows. <laughs> um, so it's really is. It's one of those shows that everybody of all ages just really enjoys. If you don't know who Flons and Swan are and you're listening to this, then I advise you to turn up and find out. Because there isn't a comedian or certainly not a musical comedian working today who isn't inspired by Flans and Swan. Tim Minchin, Bill Bailey, they all owe a debt to Flans and Swan, and they will say that, you know, because Flans and Swan were the very best at musical comedy. If you know who Flans and Swan were and you're listening to this, then of course turn up, because you'll have a really brilliant evening watching the stuff that you love done live by people that love it too. And there's been so many amazing things that have come out of doing Flans and Swan over the years. You know, we've we got to do a very special concert in Donald's house on Donald's piano for Donald Swan's family. You know, that that's a very, very special thing 
that happened. We uh, got to be part of the great unveiling of the plaque uh, to Flanders and Swan by English Heritage mm -hmm. in, uh, in Scarsdale Villas in London, which, again, was an amazing thing to be part of. And more than that, we've been able to talk to people after the shows, many of whom have memories of Flanders and Swan. And that's always really nice, is finding out more about uh, Flanders and Swan through the people that met them, knew them, saw the shows. Um, and there's been nothing but support and love for it. And it's just been really nice to be at the front of it, on stage, making people laugh with brilliant songs and jokes. Yeah, and uh, as a probably made of nostalgia, going back to the 50s and 60s. So there are people around who remember it, for, as you say, from, from growing up. Uh, the, yeah. You know, the, there's, there's many a generation. I know, I remember when All Aboard, the compilation album of kids' songs was released, the GNU song on yeah. there. So it, yeah. it, it is one of those things that has stayed with us for a number of years. Yeah, well, I think that's because they wrote songs about things that... Uh, that have still stayed relevant. So some some comedy from the 50s and 60s has aged. Mm. You know, if you don't know uh, the intimate politics of the 50s and 60s, you're going to be a bit lost with some of it. But Flanders and Swan isn't like that. You know, they write songs about workmen not turning up on time. Workmen still don't turn up on time. <laughs> they write songs. They write songs about London buses. London buses are always in the news. You know, they write they write songs about. Um, about the weather, the, the weather is—it's still the same. It's a it's consistent, still good and bad, yeah. you know. And they, and then of course they write songs about these wonderful animals: the gnu, the hippopotamus, you know, the the rhino, the warthog. The rhinos, rhinos in the fifties, pretty similar to rhinos today. Gnus in the fifties are pretty similar to gnus today. So there's not really been any change in that sort of uh, setup either. <laughs> so their songs still have a relevance, and they still have uh, what's staggering to me is that they still resonate with people, not because it's a nostalgic 50s thing, but because it's a really reassuring thing to know that something that was wrong or right in the 50s is still an issue that we're wrestling with today. They're genuinely uh, reassuring about that because they write songs that are, when you nut down into the very basis of it are about the basic human you know things they're about you know love hate and that you know that's what the songs are really about and that's why they still resonate with people and beautiful it's words like really, wallow really and things like that that makes a song doesn't it yeah yeah it really does we it's, like, it's, 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 we like it's all wallow. good stuff yeah yeah wallowing in muddy marvelous nostalgia that's what we're doing absolutely well so it is the 24th of november it is the stafford gatehouse theater it is half past seven you need to make sure you're in your seat for 01785 254653 is the box office number staffordgatehousetheatre.co.uk to get your tickets but this sounds like it's going to be a, a marvelous evening of, of, of indulgence mm. for all the right reasons yes it's, i mean it's so rare isn't it these days that you have a, something that's a comedy that you can laugh at with everybody else in your family so how rare is it that you can sit down with your gran your dad and mum and and you and look at something and all laugh together that's a really rare thing these days but flanders and swan do exactly that it's a thing that if you're uh, a grandparent grandfather grandmother and you want to bring your children and grandchildren along then that's a great way of doing it if you're a parent you can bring your parents and your children along and you can all laugh and if you're a kid it's definitely one to bring your parents and grandparents to so it's <laughs> it's a really nice show for all the family and, and i don't think there are enough of those around these days and it's really nice to be part of it and it's just lovely to get out there and do the songs it's brilliant well i think basically you've covered the fact that you just need to buy your tickets get them now get along enjoy the gig have a great time with it all make it an early christmas present to yourself tim fitzheim thank you for joining us lovely to talk to you thanks for having me on A year ago, last Thursday, I was strolling in the zoo when I met a man who thought he knew the lot. He was laying down the law about the habits of baboons and the number of quills a porcupine has got. So I asked him, what's that creature there? He answered, oh, it's a helk. I might have gone on thinking that was true. If the animal in question hadn't put that chap to shame and remarked, I ain't a helk. I'm a gnu. I'm a gnu. I'm a gnu. The nicest work of nature in the zoo. I'm a gnu. How do you do? You really ought to know wahoo's wahoo. I'm a gnu. Spelt G-N-U. I'm gonna not a camel or a kangaroo. 
So let me introduce, I'm Ganaida Man or Moose. So Gano, 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 I'm a Gano. I had taken furnished lodgings down at Rustington on Sea, whence I travelled on to Ashton under Lyme, it was actually. And the second night I stayed there, I was wakened from a dream, which I'll tell you all about some other time. Among the hunting trophies on the wall above my bed, stuffed and mounted, was a face I thought I knew. A bison. No, it's not a bison. An okapi. It's unlikely, really. Could it be a hearty beast? And I seemed to hear a voice. I'm a Ganu. I'm a Ganu. A Ganaba Ganu. I wish I could ganache my teeth at you. I'm a Ganu. How do you do? You really ought to know Wahoos, Wahoo. I'm a Ganu, spelt G-N-U. Call me Bison or a copy and I'll sue. Ganor am I in the least like that dreadful hearty beast. Oh, Ganu, Ganu, Ganu. Ganu, 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 I'm a Ganu. From the 28th of November through to the 5th of January, this vulgaric place host Cinderella. Sam Raybone is back. Hello. I'm back and unrecognisable as this year. I'm playing buttons. My first time ever in trousers. Over 11 years of doing pantos, and this is my first year playing. Well, playing buttons, I'm doing trousers. So I'm, I'm, I'm as confused as everybody else is. Button foil zip, I suppose it has to be buttons, doesn't it? I've got none. I don't even you, know. You, you, no. can't, you can't get you can no dashing to the toilet. No, this is harder than mid dresses. Normally, mid dresses <laughs> lift up, hoik down the tights, and off you go. Whereas this, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. It has to be drink less before shows, I think. Well, to be fair, I mean, I used to go for the two and a half hours because I used to have a lot of padding on as well. Yeah. So I never used to go. I used to go just before the show started and then. <laughs> panic if anything else happened. And is this part of the training for Panto, is knowing when you can take toilet breaks? Because it must be, it's absolutely a manic run, isn't it? And, and it's all full on the whole time. I mean, I've been potty trained since <laughs> an early age. Uh, I can normally manage about two and a half hours without right. going to the toilet. I feel I've mastered that in my life. So. That's good. Yeah, I, I can last. That's, that's the way. Can I have a bit of quiche? You can enjoy your quiche, because we're actually at the, the press launch day, and uh, feeding... <laughs> that is not a bit of quiche, that's most of a quiche. Uh, I've got quiche now. Feeding the Panto cast. Quiche Lorraine. Is, is it definitely Lorraine? I don't know, what's Lorraine? Bro? I'm not sure, is it because it has got bits of bacon in it as well? Bacon and cheese. That's just solid bits of cheese. That's good, whoever made this, ten points. That's fantastic. And you must be loving being in Litchfield, because you are back again. Back again, yep. Four years and counting, mm-hmm. um, and they've given me a status now. Really? You're, 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 on the posters. Yeah, the posters, the posters is good, isn't posters, it? Posters, it says legend. legend. And I, I've, I've gained legend status. I'm not sure how I did that. I think it's because I'm persistent and I keep coming back. I think your agent probably you know, made words as well. well. Very possibly, but yes, Sam Rayburn, legend now. Just in case you didn't recognise me, I believe. So, yes. Uh, well, yeah, and it is difficult to recognise you without all the wigs and stuff. Cause it, it is, is, that, is that your own hair? It is. This is my own hair, and uh, I, I, I find them unrecognisable until I open my mouth. Yeah. No matter what happens over Christmas, I get recognised normally after the show when I'm ordering a very cold drink of water, <laughs> boys and girls. Yeah. Buttons only drinks water, <laughs> ice cold. Um, maybe sometimes a bit fizzy water, you know. Yeah. Or maybe apple juice flavoured water. Yeah, yeah that's, that's mm. not really water, is it? Apple juice flavoured water. Yeah. If he's, if he's apple juice, okay, flavoured water, water. yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the celebrity status that goes that must be really good for now because because you are often a, a panto dame throughout the year, aren't you? Uh, I've done jobs throughout the year as pantomime dame, but I mean for the past few years I've done a lot more children's shows. Uh, so I've been out in Dubai doing kids shows with um, I work with the Angry Birds, mm-hmm. uh, Red Chuck and Bomb. Work with them. I've worked with uh, Ben and Holly yeah. from um, CBBS. I think they're on. Um, I've worked with an Indian cartoon called Chotter Bean, who um, very big in Asia and India. I've never heard of them before, but amazing. And uh, this year I've worked with my heroes, the PJ Masks. I don't know whether you've heard of them. I I'm, no, I'm, uh, I'm, look I'm not up, aware. You'll love them. Um, so I work with Catboy Gecko and Outlet out in Dubai, and then I work in Sweden doing a magic show. So I do uh, magic and a puppet show out in Sweden as well. So I do lots of children shows throughout the year. Mm. Not so much daming at the moment, but maybe maybe another time I'll do more dame work. You never know. But 
Again, it's, it's all good fun and it's all about putting on a show for the, for the whole family and something everyone can enjoy. Oh, yes, I mean, that's what Panto is. It's meant to be everybody from, I mean, we say three to 103, but it pretty much is that. Everybody, every generation of the family can come in. Um, people all over the world can come in. It only works in England. I mean, people from around the world get it. I've had pe- my friends from Sweden come over and as soon as you put them with an English audience, they soon learn when to join in. As long as they're with a British audience, it works everywhere in the world, but in England, the audience, you lot are part of the show as well, and you're the most important part of our show. Without you, it's, it's just a rehearsal. Yes. <laughs> but it's going to be another amazing one this year, and uh, it, more quiche. Is it going quiche on the carpet as well down there now? You'll be in trouble, the staff. I'll get that later. Okay. Uh, but uh, the, the, the whole writing experience as well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess that once you've got the script, you tweak it a little bit. Um, more we talk throughout the whole process like Paul, Paul Hendy who writes it and produces it and he's the amazing mm. he's written some brilliant stuff over the years so he comes to me and says, uh, says what do you think about this have we done this gag before shall we update the script with new gags we talk whether we've done them before I've got a bit of uh, my memory does remember if we've done them or not so we, we talk about routines that we have or haven't done in previous shows uh, whether there's new gags we want to use but once Paul's script comes until we're in the room with the cast, but then we still have to. We still run it by everybody because it's still it's his piece. So um, if things become organic, we have to check that it's good and that they like it. Because sometimes what we think is funny isn't necessarily as funny as everybody else thinks. <laughs> so that said, the music's going to be live and fun. The music will be live and fun and moved this year. That mm. we yeah, the, the music will be played from a different part of the room. You have to find them when you come and watch. Okay. And it's going to be totally different to any other panto we've done here for the past three, four years. So it, it's going to be new, it's going to be exciting. But Cinderella is such a good classic story. And we've got one of the best fairy godmothers. We've got Rebecca Keatley as fairy godmother, who is perfect. Um, our Cinderella's beautiful. We've got such good ugly sisters this year. They're, for the first year, I'm not playing Dame. The uglies are amazing. So we're very, very happy to work with them. You are going to make Christmas magical for absolutely everyone who comes to see it. It's a magical show. There's magic happening throughout it. So, yes, we're working. That man over there, Pete, is working tirelessly <laughs> trying to get some amazing special effects in for us this year as well. well LitchfieldGarry.com is where you can get your tickets. 01543 412121 is the box office number. And you can get back to your sandwich and french fries now. Thank you. I shall eat my quiche in one more mouth. Sam Rowbone, incredibly talented. Amazing man. Not many people can do that. <laughs> time for another musical interlude. This time it's Todd Mosby and Open Waters.
on Monday the 14th of October at the Stafford Gatehouse, Genre Fluid is going to be on stage. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dan Webber. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. You said what I was going to say. Thank you. You've done off my job already. Much well, appreciated. It, it, it does help, <laughs> I think, doesn't it? So that, that's the bit we do know. The bit I don't know is what the show's about. So tell me more. So the show is called Genre Fluid, as you said. It's all about labels. It's about identity, gender, sexuality and labels and how we fight together the boxes we're put in by other people. So your build is not quite a comedy show, not quite a poetry show. So it, yes. it's, it's something in between. I've been performing poetry and comedy professionally for the last four years. So the show is all about my uh, journey, for want of a better phrase, of trying to realise that you know it's okay not to be one thing or another, and look at that in wider society, look at that in gender, in sexuality, you know, in everyday life. So a lot of the time, I've done gigs, especially first-time performances in places, and people have gone, you know, what are you doing here? You're not a comic, you're a poet. And then I've done a poetry gig in the same town, and people have gone, what are you doing here? You're a comic, you're not a poet. You know, what are you doing here? So a lot of the show is about just what it's been like trying to walk this fine line between not quite being one thing or another thing, especially when it comes to promoting the show to people, because as you say, it's not quite one thing or another, it's not quite a comedy show, not quite a poetry show. Yeah, because you've sent out a really nice press pack, I mean, it looks absolutely fantastic, but still, Thank I haven't got, really got a clue what you're doing. <laughs> You'll have to come and see it and find out. Okay, I think that is the rule. People turn up, they will be pleasantly surprised, I trust. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. You know, not to give too much away, but we will discuss labels, but there is a definite answer at the end. So, you know, you won't go away hopefully going, what the heck was that? You will go away hopefully realising that if you're not one thing or another or you don't identify as one thing or another, that's okay. There's no pressure, there's no need to give yourself a label and there's no need for other people to give yourself a label regardless of what you think it is. So a lack of labels should not cause confusion? Yes, it's, labels are very important, but they're not necessarily a good or bad thing. So if you need a label or you identify as a certain label, that's fine. But if you don't, that's absolutely fine as well. It's what's inside that actually counts, as the tin of peaches exactly. said to the tin of beans, yeah, yeah. probably. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So it's all about whatever you want to identify. It's funny, um, Piers Morgan's been heavily criticised for being very silly on the telly and saying something absolutely daft. And the show is about, you know, it's about labels, lack of labels. If you want one, if you've got one you really identify with strongly, that's absolutely fine. If you find one that, that is important to you, we're not going to create, you know, the show is also saying you, know, you can be genre fluid, you can be one thing or the other, and that's absolutely fine if you are. And, and this said, though, we'll be touching on your failed veganism as well as part of the show. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, attempted vegan reluctant bear is kind of what I've been working on as kind of a strap line for the show. So, yes, I am. I've been vegetarian for a very long time, went vegan about a year ago. And again, it's, you know, it's about the expectations of not struggling, but can you be a failed vegan attempted vegan? Because it's really hard, especially out and about. It's getting a lot better. But again, it's another example of, of the labels and the pressure we put on ourselves to define ourselves a certain way and how society thinks of us when you say, I am a vegan, when I am an attempted vegan. So. The show comes up, as we say, in October. It is Monday the 14th, half past seven. And uh, it's a 55-minute show, no interval. So you, you're running straight indeed. through. So don't turn up late, I think, is the moral of that one, isn't it? No, don't turn up late. But also, you know, we'll be around after. We're not going to leg it at, you know, half past eight. So if people want to chat after the show, there's going to be a book for sale as well. The book of the show has been published by White Shed, a Nottingham-based publisher. So if you want to chat afterwards, talk about it if you'd like to. If you haven't, you're more than welcome to meet me in the bar for a, a sparkling water afterwards. Sounds like a plan. So uh, what labels can we put on your social media? Oh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's Dan Webber Spoken Word on Facebook. It's it's Dan underscore Weber underscore Poet on Twitter and it's I am Genre Fluid on Instagram. So check all of those out, but most importantly, get along to the show. Tenor ticket for the night and you can obviously get tickets through the box office or the website at the Stafford Gatehouse Theatre. Enjoy whatever it is that you end up doing. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself, thank you. Dan Weber, thank you for joining us. No worries, thank you. That's it all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 535 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.